Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we hear from all sorts of interesting folks in the world of Argentine tango. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks so much for joining us. With me on the line right now is Mr. Martin Enos. Martin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Joe, for having me. Yeah. So, Martin, let's uh, start with your own personal dance history. How did you fall in love with tango? Um, awkward story. This was in college, mm-hmm. and I think a, a friend asked me to come help organize this Maryland Tango Festival that was happening that year. And I went just to help out. And while I was there, I saw a couple of performances. And, you know, I was always of the mentality that any couple's dance is choreographed. And mm-hmm. therefore, I saw it and I thought, oh, that's cool. But, you know, anybody can do anything if you put your mind to it. You can practice anything and make it look great, you know? Mm-hmm. And I kind of blurted that out loud. And <laughs> my friend was like, oh, no, this isn't choreographed. This is an improvised dance. They are literally having a conversation live. And the uh, leader is asking her to, the follower to do something. And the follower is responding to these cues without words. And they don't know this ahead of time. Mm. I called, I don't know if I can, like, I called bullshit on that. I'm not <laughs> sure if I can say that on the radio, but, That's fine. you know, in order to find out if this was really true, you know, as a student at the University of Maryland, I was allowed to participate in the club activities for free. So mm-hmm. I went to take a class to find out if this was really true. Mm. And I got, I became a convert after I learned that you could lead things mm-hmm. and the followers should interpret what you're doing with different communication skills and yeah, the rest of it has, I mean, I was actually kind of an extreme convert in that now I believe anything can be led. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that's my story and how, how I began and how nice. I kind of dance still today. Great. So what was your very first tango lesson like when you when you went to that event? My first lesson, I believe, was with Dima Burke. I went to the class, they showed a sequence, some probably version of the box step or eight count basic or something Mm -hmm. of that caliber. And I remember watching it. And again, it's a sequence I knew how to do. I watched the follower. I was like, okay, I see how she could follow this sequence. And I spent the rest of the time, you know, because like I said, in that time I was a huge critic. Mm -hmm. So I spent the rest of the time basically trying to Ask him, like, okay, how does she know? What if I did it this way? What if I moved that way? How would she know mm. to respond differently? Like, how does she know that this is when I want her to step? How does she know I want to move? How? So, and that's basically how I kept asking the question is, how does the follower know? Mm-hmm. Rather than what do I do? Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And basically, that's what it was. And then it was a two part class. It was like the beginner's class, and then afterwards was the intermediate class. And I remember asking them, hey, can I sit through this? I know I'm not at that level, but I just want to watch how the class is. Mm-hmm. And then I sat there. And luckily, I mean, I, this kind of happened. I mean, I know this was the first day, but <laughs> I sat through it. And then anytime they break for questions, I'd ask, well, how did this person do this? How did they know that they should each cross rather than go next to each other? And I just kept asking those questions over and over. Mm-hmm. And that kind of was my first class. And I thought it was very interesting that the teachers had answers to me mm-hmm. and answers that made sense to my logical brain. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Asking questions. That's so, that's so important for, for students to, to do. 
So what was your Absolutely. Ver- yeah? So what was your very first dance like at a malanga? Oh, horrible! So <laughs> oh, no, I <laughs> I don't think this is a unique experience to me. Mm-hmm. I certainly was was lucky, mm-hmm. even to be honest. Uh, my first malanga I went to was at Eastern Market, mm-hmm. and I went in and you know I had practiced dancing with my schoolmates, you know, people I knew and. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked, I'd go to, I went to the Malanga, you know, we were all dressed up. We got excited as a club. We went out to Eastern Market mm-hmm. and, you know, you'd ask people to dance and nobody wanted to dance with you. And it was just very stressful mm-hmm. because you were asking people you didn't know to dance. And then you'd get a dance and things weren't happening the way you expected, you know, mm-hmm. um, all the things I had asked about, oh, how does she know how, how do I make this work, weren't quite working mm. perfectly with the people, the you know, one or two people who I got to dance with that first time out. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, was very discouraging, mm-hmm. to be honest. But, interesting, I took it on as that maybe I just needed to figure out how to do it better. I realized very quickly that the dance was more elaborate, more intricate more mm. complicated than it looked. Even mm. the simple things looked a lot more or were a lot more difficult than mm. could imagine. And so I yeah, I kinda took time off from going out again. I I think probably those maybe five or six months between my first Malanga and my second. Mm-hmm. And I had much lower expectations the second time around. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it was it was so fascinating, and I remember I loved just sitting there and watching people dance, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just watch what they do, what could happen. You know, mm-hmm. I was gradually being convinced that this really was a leader follower dance, and that there was a conversation happening that wasn't words. Mm-hmm. And so I really was watching, trying to find. I'm like, oh, can I see how this person made that person turn? Mm-hmm. Like, why did they choose to place their feet here right before they left that? Why are they moving in this direction? Why is he facing more to the left than to the right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was trying, now I didn't, I was trying to ask myself these questions and make sure I was aware that these things were happening and mm-hmm. find these intricacies. So that's kind of, I mean, I know you asked about my first experience, but that's more how mm-hmm. my second experience okay. was targeted. That was my focus was I, I went out thinking, I'm not going to dance, but mm. it doesn't mean I'm not going to get anything from this malanga. Yeah. So I just watched the people who I thought were doing it and it looked great. Mm-hmm. I just watched them, both the leader and the follower. I watched their feet, how it turned out. Real. I watched when they stood on one foot, when they were on two feet, when you know the leader was turning, when his upper body was turning, when his lower body was turning, where his hand was. Where mm-hmm. his, you know, And some of them I understood. Much of it I didn't. Mm-hmm. But even when I didn't, I was saving these nuggets to go ask the teachers mm-hmm. at the University of Maryland uh, who might know the answers to these questions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, yeah, when by then, I think it's a transition to Jake Spatz and mm-hmm. he was a wealth of information, always happy to answer questions and, you know, let me participate in any class that mm-hmm. I wanted in whatever caliber I could. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was nice. Yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah, I had Jake on the show, uh, I think, last year. He's a really fun guy to talk to. So. Oh, my God. He is amazing, yeah. 
been very kind too. Yes, definitely very generous and very kind. Yeah. So Martin, I want to switch gears a little bit to uh, turning points in your learning. So what's some really good or some memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own teachers that really helped move your dancing forward? Oh, there's so many. Yeah. Um, so I, I was, I mean, I genuinely am a very open person mm -hmm. and I listen to everybody as much as I can. So a few, like Jake Spatz is like my big teachers what i tell people i'm like he's the one who made me a tango dancer today mm -hmm. um because he taught me a lot and welcomed me to answer ask questions and you know do privates mm -hmm. you know in assisting him in his other adventures mm -hmm. but besides jake even like dima burke i remember i was would think that oh his style was not quite what i was attracted to in tango mm -hmm. but i remember once complaining to him and saying oh i hate it when people stop in front of me when I'm dancing and I'm trying to move forward mm -hmm. and people stop in front of me. <laughs> and he said, why? It's like, Martin, you're new at this and yet you seem to be doing a lot. Why don't you implement, in order to expand your creativity, why don't you implement restrictions into your dance? Mm. For example, when the music starts, tell yourself you're going to start dancing and you're never going to overtake the person in front of you. Mm. How can you dance in place without overtaking the person in front of you. Mm -hmm. And to me, just that thought process was like, it changed for me personally, it changed my dance a lot. You mm -hmm. know, it made me think, okay, I want to do the box step. I only know how to do the box step, but how can I do the box step in a circle? How can I do it in a line? Ah. How can I do it going to the right? How can I do it going to the left? Mm -hmm. How can I do it going backwards? Mm -hmm. You know? And it was simply based on Dima saying, do not pass, the person in front of you in the dance. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, later I, I increased it to include a lot of things. Like, what about if you did an entire dance? And this I even did the other day at a Malanga because mm -hmm. I was just, you know, curious what it will look like because I hadn't done it for years. Can you lead a follower to do an entire dance without ever stepping backwards? Mm -hmm. Now that's a very challenging thing in itself, but that that was one one place Dima Burke helped me with. Mm -hmm. Another one I can think of was. Chico, mm -hmm. Chico Tanik, Adam yes. and Chico from New York City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I went up to New York one of my first times. Again, you know, no new but nobody, so nobody was dancing with me. Mm -hmm. At that time, I was terrified of Milonga, mm -hmm. and so I would not do Milonga. So Milonga came on, and Chico, who was a friend because I had met her at the University of Maryland, mm -hmm. asked me to dance. And so as I'm leading, you know, I only knew know my box step. I know a few Milanetes here and there, and that's all I was doing. And it was good, but at some point she would take over the dance and exaggerate my movement. And I found that to be terrifying that, <laughs> oh, the lead had been taken from me almost in a sense. Mm -hmm. And, but then when I, after the dance, I was like, Chico, like, that's terrifying. How would I know this? And she's like, Martin, the conversation is like, yes, it's a leader follower dance, but it is conversation. Like there's two parties. And yeah, if you don't want me to do it, let me know. I would never do it again. But I was like, no, no, no. It's not that I didn't want you to do it. I just, how do you know when to do it? How do I know when to be like, okay, you want to do this fun thing. You know, you want to embellish. You want to do this. How do I know? Mm -hmm. You know? And then she told me, look, like if you, while you're speaking, it's like a conversation. You still have to make leave room to listen, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. if, if you feel that, you know, a follower's slowing down, you know, don't force her through her movement. 
you know, give her the space to slow down. Mm-hmm. If she feel that she's speeding up, give the room to speed up. If you feel that she wants to play in just one spot, give mm-hmm. her time, right? Mm-hmm. Allow your embrace to be relaxed so she can move through it, you know, but at the same time, don't also stop completely, right? Mm-hmm. That, so that took me a while to learn, right? Just mm-hmm. learning to listen to your power. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, one of the things it did for me and in my dance was that it allowed me to think less, you know, because if you really listen to followers, yeah. a lot of times they have things to do, mm-hmm. things they want to do. And so if they have something to do in the moment where you're trying to think of what to do next, mm-hmm. guess what? You let them do it while you think of what to do next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> yeah. a very silly thing. And then following that, I remember dancing with, uh, taking a private with Alejandra Martinez, mm-hmm. who then said that, Martin, you spend a lot of time listening, which is great, but when I dance with you and I embellish, I feel like I have stopped you, like you stopped moving, mm. you know? And I was like, what do you mean? I'm giving you room to speak. Isn't mm. that supposed to be a good thing? And she said, yes, but it's very, it's absurd. It's weird if somebody, if you're saying, telling a story and somebody finishes a sentence mm-hmm. or puts in a note in your sentence, like, oh, I was standing outside and the sky was blue, uh, the sky was clear, and the person was like, oh, it probably was blue as well. And then you don't say anything afterwards. <laughs> then the person feels as if they interrupted you, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So she's like, no, you take what they say mm-hmm. and add to it. So if somebody slows down mm-hmm. and is coming into a parada, for example, mm-hmm. and that's great. You give them room to do that, but don't stop always waiting for them to like keep talking. No, they just added a comment. Mm-hmm. So take that slowed parada and maybe exaggerate it into a front bleo mm-hmm. slowly. And then it's kind of like, oh, you were saying something and she took it and made it into something and then you continue and it's mm-hmm. flowing. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's, again, another instance where somebody just gave, it's, it's always little nuggets, right? Right. And there's lots of those. If, if I could think of them, I would keep going forever. <laughs> forever. I yeah. learned from lots of people mm-hmm. and lots of people give me great advice that I, I love sharing. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. I like what you said about that, how you, you kind of have to keep things going and, and how that experience you had with Chico when, you know, a really experienced follower kind of takes what you, what you lead and does something else with it. Yeah. Like I said, it's a little scary because, you know, we're not 100% in control, but at the same time, yeah, there is this mutual uh, creativity going on and that's really, that's really beautiful when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's even a little bit relaxing. It gives you opportunity to be Mm -hmm. like, ah, I'm not the one in charge of doing everything the whole time, Mm -hmm. right? You know, Mm -hmm. the followers can express themselves and it's nice when they do. Yeah. Yeah, so I know you kind of touched on this earlier, but was there a really, really bad tango habit you used to have and um, how did you get over it? Mm, Bad tango habits, trying to think. Mm -hmm. Pausing too much Mm -hmm. and having followers just dance in place Mm -hmm. probably was a bad tango habit. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one was probably the doing too much mm-hmm. i mean maybe to even merge i think that doing too much is a big one that lots of leaders have when they start yeah so it might be a good one to touch on because mm-hmm. i remember that one before i started dancing in malongas regularly i really came at tango from a very both feet in kind of mentality and mm-hmm. i it was i lived breathed and danced tango basically mm-hmm. 
So I got relatively good a little quicker than some mm-hmm. might have expected. But what that led meant was also that I tended to do a lot mm-hmm. just because I I had some skill, but I lacked maturity. Mm. Tango, mm-hmm. which some might still say I lack maturity now, which is fine, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I I remember once dancing with Cecilia, Cecilia Gonzalez mm-hmm. and she she said to me, Martin, you you're good, yes, but you're not realizing who you're dancing with. Mm. And you know, of course Cecilia Gonzalez is super famous. I don't even know if she remembered who I was after mm-hmm. that dance. Mm-hmm. But she said to me, You're good but you're stressed. I can tell you're stressed because you're trying to do this and that and that and that and that mm-hmm. and chain it. And, you know, you're scared you're going to make a mistake and all this you're doing and like, just take your time and do the things that you know how to do well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know what I know how to do. And I, I'm scared that my partner is going to get bored and I'm dancing with a teacher right now. And yeah. I've only been dancing six months or 10 months or whatever it was, I, how early it was I was dancing with her. And so I, I, I think that the things that I know mm-hmm. are complicated enough. It's not like things that will entertain her. Mm-hmm. So how can I make sure to yeah. entertain her while I'm dancing? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and that was my entire thought process. It was mm-hmm. from an innocent place, mm-hmm. really. And she said, no, it's not like, it's, it's a dangerous thing to do that because those complicated things, especially as a new dancer, mm-hmm. you're more likely to mess up. You're more likely to mm-hmm. make mistakes. And mistakes as a new dancer, especially as a leader, mm-hmm. cost you a lot more than boredom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So she, she literally said to me, whenever you're dancing with a new person, especially when you're dancing with somebody who you think is better than you or a professional or somebody mm-hmm. beyond your means, right? Mm-hmm. Structure your dance. Milong, uh, tanda, if you're dancing all four, it's four, it's four songs. Yeah. So your first one should be walking. Mm-hmm. Very relaxed. Do things that you know you can do in your sleep. Do mm-hmm. things that you would default to. That is your, you know, your walking. Mm-hmm. You're walking to your cross. You know, your salida, your, your, parida, your paradas. Take your time. If you're going to play, play with the music. Mm-hmm. Play with the musicality in that first song. Mm-hmm. Similarly, your last song mm-hmm. should be the same structure. No matter what you did in between, the mistakes that you made in between, make sure that you are resolving it so that they have the last opinion of you, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should be that it was it was calm, it was correct, it was neat. Mm-hmm. Almost. Mm-hmm. Right? It's what she said. Yeah. And then in between, you know, your second song, yes, maybe increase your, you know, as you do that first song, feel how receptive they are to your changes, you know, mm-hmm. feel how much connection you have, feel how willing they are to move in a step because you can feel it, right? Mm-hmm. You can feel where your partner is willing to, how receptive they are, how quickly they respond to you is even different, mm-hmm. right? And if you have a partner that responds quickly, you know that if you're doing something that's going to invade their space, mm-hmm. you have to do it quickly, otherwise they're gone. Yeah. If they're responding slowly, you, you know that you have to be gradual mm-hmm. in your lead because then everything moves slowly, slowly and it doesn't feel like you're knocking them off their axis. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so these, these kind of things, 
you learn in that first calm dance. Mm -hmm. You're doing it based on the things you imagine yourself to be good at, the things mm -hmm. you're defaulting to. And so you, you have brain space to really pay attention to your power and what she wants to get from you from mm -hmm. this dance. Nice. And nice. then you can build it up to your third dance where, you know, mm -hmm. once there's comfort in those first two dances, mm -hmm. that third dance, you can go crazy. That third dance, <laughs> you can make mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, because she, you've built trust in the first two dances that, mm -hmm. you know, there's a good, there's room for forgiving, yeah. almost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and right. then... At the end of that third dance, again, you conclude in a calm, collected way mm -hmm. so that you've had a full spectrum of, of a conversation with this person. You know, mm -hmm. you greeted each other. You said hello very calmly and quietly. Mm -hmm. You know, you determined the pace of the conversation in the second mm -hmm. um, song. And in the third, you, you know, pushed your buttons. And in the fourth, you calmly say thank you for mm -hmm. spending this time with me. Nice. So... Again, you know, it's it was a, it's a hard concept. Sometimes, you know, I was lucky somebody said spelled it out to me. And if people want to hear that, I think it's great advice. Mm -hmm. Your first and last dance must be calm, especially mm -hmm. with somebody you don't know, somebody yeah. you're dancing with for the first time. And I think that's a, a good way to mm -hmm. build a relationship for a future dance. Nice, nice. Yeah, I like that. Very elaborate structure, but it's it's very good. I'm sure there. are our listeners will find that very useful. So Martin, uh, how did you start teaching? I'm trying to think. <laughs> so I think I started teaching almost by chance. Okay. There, I, there's a couple, the Javids in, in Potomac, who mm. had house parties where on, like, on Thursday nights and they had a teacher come and teach them tango. Mm -hmm. But then their party was growing. And I had been invited a couple of times. I had gone and, you know, they have food and they have a little lesson and a little party afterwards where people just dance. Mm -hmm. And I think they were expanding that group to include new people. So mm -hmm. they were like, oh, but we want to split the two people into two level classes. Mm -hmm. So they asked me to come in to, you know, start the beginner class, mm -hmm. you know, just running through different exercises that I do because they thought I was a decent dancer and wanted to see mm. I mean they asked me if I wanted to try to teach what I knew mm. from what I, my perspective and I said sure why not and mm. no um, because what they did I think they donated to the party mm -hmm. they all all the people att in attendance donated to the party and so that's how they afforded to present other parts of this uh, party including mm -hmm. paying the teacher but I was then allowed to go to the party without donating mm -hmm. if I taught, if I just run these beginner classes. And it was just a good way to practice, to try, get into it. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't formal. And then I did it one season. They did it in like 10 class seasons. Mm -hmm. And then they said, oh, okay, do you want to do it the next one too? We'll pay you whatever it was they were paying at the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, this is great. I mean, I was a college student. Any money, you mm -hmm. know, was money to me which was nice. And so I did it for some time. And then Tango Mercurio yeah. then also, you know, asked me, I started substituting classes because mm. they needed male teachers to teach. So I think I taught with some of the female teachers mm. in Tango Mercurio and with Masha uh, mostly. Mm -hmm. and I mean, because Dima had moved 
to South Africa or Zimbabwe at the time. Mm. And so basically they were low on male teachers. And mm. so to teach couples and not to say they couldn't do it themselves, but it was an opportunity. They invited me. Great. I went and did substitute teaching almost mm-hmm. with Masha for a while. And after a while, they invited me to join with the company. And that's how I became a teacher nice. for the most part. And yeah. then I started getting private classes and mm-hmm. the rest is history. Right. Great. Great. Yeah. So as a teacher, uh, I want to pick your brain about uh, ways for advanced students to help beginner students. I, I learned tango, to be honest. I learned tango in practicas, mm-hmm. in true practicas, not practicalongas, in, yeah. in practicas. So in George Mason University mm-hmm. down in Virginia, mm-hmm. they used to have a practica on Sundays, which I would, you know, I used to live in Baltimore at the time. I would drive to because, like I said, I was a tango addict mm-hmm. right from the start. So I would drive to, and there were great teachers, um, Students, there students who used to. I remember Max would come and um, Yuri would come, and mm-hmm. they were great dancers. I'd watch and be enthralled at all the wonderful things they did. Mm-hmm. But this practica allowed us to, like, they would do something with your, whoever they were practicing with, and I would just go up to them and stop them, like, <laughs> "Hey, that was so cool. Could you do it again? Mm-hmm. Hey, could you show me how that worked?" And I think that tango tends to be very, like, a very sociable event. Mm-hmm. but the people who want something need to ask for it. Uh-huh. So I know your question is how can, mm-hmm. how can um, the good dancers, how, how can the teachers mm-hmm. teach the newcomers? Yeah. I, I love teaching personally. Mm-hmm. I love teaching. I love, I would tell anybody anything they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to learn that mm-hmm. I know I would tell anybody, but tango has a code. Yeah. You do not teach anybody in the dance floor. One. Mm-hmm. Some of us almost only get the opportunity to teach on the dance floor mm-hmm. or unless we're having our own longer or doing our own classes. So if I'm not teaching, the only time I'd probably see somebody I don't know to dance with would be on the dance floor. So if I did something they didn't know and they asked me, oh, what was that you just did? Then I'm almost kind of like mm-hmm. fighting this feeling, right? Of yeah. There's a culture we should not be teaching the dance floor but right. this person is asking me mm-hmm. which is great yeah. but at the same time you know we have to keep the culture right. so what i'd say the way i'd rephrase that question is that mm-hmm. uh, practicas especially practicas are the other outlet yeah. the real place that would have technically built for learning mm-hmm. right and practicing yeah. so in practicas i i'd say this to anybody who has a practice don't make it into them longer yeah. do not play cortinas Somebody, the DJ should put on a mix of of tango music, malangas, whatever, hit play and walk away. <laughs> or have people come in and choose what music they want to dance to, whatever format or cool thing you want to do. But it should not be formatted mm-hmm. because if you format it, people follow the formatting. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. And they should the rules of conduct of a of a malanga should not apply. Like we don't dance if you if you want to practice dancing around the room counterclockwise great that's mm-hmm. something you can practice at a practica yeah. but do not get upset if somebody isn't yeah because it's not a malanga it's right. a practica if mm-hmm. they are focusing on how to dance in a straight line or do a sequence that makes them go in a straight line for a long time and therefore they're cutting across the room mm-hmm. great let them do that if you want to learn 
what you saw somebody do. Like, don't get upset if somebody comes to you and says, oh, I just saw you do this wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. Could you show it to me? Or could you do it again? I mean, yes, obviously, we all have our autonomy. You have the right to refuse. I doubt, I mean, maybe this is me thinking differently, but I don't think there's anybody who would be stopped to say, and when somebody asks them, hey, you did this cool thing, could you do it again? Who say, no, I absolutely abhor that idea. No. (laughs) Right. Right? Mm -hmm. But I think most people would be very willing and happy to do it again, to show mm-hmm. it again, even if they don't know how to teach it. Right. If they just know how to do it, they will just do it for you over and over. Yeah. And maybe you can try to learn it. And if you can't, you can't. And maybe you keep it in the back of your brain for when something else in your dance has improved to allow you to execute it again, mm-hmm. which has happened to me many times. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that outlet for people to just simply go up and ask that willingness that the room for it is usually in the practica and i'll say hey at practicas please do it i mean mm-hmm. um leaders go ask other leaders how they do things if you think it's cool yeah followers ask leaders you know what they're expecting in that moment when you think rather than feel bad about yourself for making a mistake in the dance mm-hmm. you know especially at a practica if somebody leads you to do something and you're like oh my god i did not know what that was mm-hmm. i froze or I, I think i did the wrong thing mm-hmm. ask and then, you know, have that conversation because sometimes, even for me as a leader, I learn a lot from the follower being like, well, oh, you wanted me to do this, but I didn't feel the need for me to go to the right or cross. Mm-hmm. I just felt you coming towards me, so I just walked straight back. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me think, ah, how do I differentiate between walking straight and walking to a cross? Mm-hmm. You know, there are subtleties in tango we learn just by asking and talking about it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so... I think practicas, 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 practicas. Yes. Nobody should, that's to, to learn random things. That's mm-hmm. how you get the good dancers to teach the newer dancers and mm-hmm. vice versa. Yeah. That's how you get leaders to teach followers, followers to teach leaders. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we learn all kinds of things. I mean, if you tango, yeah, we like to think that if you are dancing, if you know how to do tango, you can ask anybody to dance, but that's not necessarily true. You can't pick up anybody on the street and lead them to do this, right. they have to have some concept of what tango is. Mm-hmm. So we just have to kind of build that. Even learning how to, how, as a 10-year dancer, mm-hmm. how do you dance with a one-year dancer? Mm. You know, how does a follower-follower with a lot of experience dance with somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience? What are the things you're going to assume that you want to make them feel good about themselves and so you help them with, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Even that concept, you can learn just by talking about it, you know, taking a new dancer and be like, hey, could you lead me to a cross? And then mm-hmm. you, they lead something and you're like, oh, it's missing this, mm-hmm. which is super clear with this other person. Oh, their brace, embrace feels too tight. It doesn't allow me to pivot when they invite me to do a cross. Mm-hmm. Well, that conversation happens if you, you guys interact and talk to each other and yeah. not be afraid that, oh, this guy is an amazing dancer and therefore I cannot speak to him. Right. Or this girl is too amazing and therefore I cannot ask how she keeps her feet turned out. Mm-hmm. I, I think she'd be happy to explain what thought process she went through to mm-hmm. make that a habit for her. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's what I would encourage. I don't honestly believe it's a problem mm-hmm. for dancers to teach, you know, new dancers. Mm-hmm. I just think that people should take advantage of the forums they get yes. to do these things and yeah. take classes. I mean, mm-hmm. take classes and don't, don't be a bystander in the class. Do not 
go through a class not understanding what the teacher said mm -hmm. because the teacher is paid to explain what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing that, if you go to a class and you don't ask a question, you might as well have watched that class on YouTube. I see. It's a lot cheaper mm -hmm. and you get the same from the video. Yeah. But yeah. if you go to the class and mm -hmm. they teach something and you can't do it, for some reason, mm -hmm. you put your hand up, you ask the teacher. You ask the teacher to come to you, you try it again. You try it with the teacher. You have to lead the teacher, lead your partner, lead you, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Explain where their, their balance is, where their access is. Like, mm -hmm. ask the questions because yeah. when you ask those questions, you you then show the difference between a YouTube video and the teacher standing in front of you. Yeah. Otherwise, there isn't one. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm really yeah. glad you, you uh, pointed out the need for beginners to be somewhat proactive in their learning. And yeah, right. yeah. And exactly like you said, the practicals, I mean, they're and not, not just beginners. Any, yeah. any, any anybody learner. who wants to learn something yeah. should be proactive about learning it. Ask mm -hmm. the question about learning it. Yeah. Right. No matter how great of a dancer you are, you don't know everything. And so there might be something you see that you want to know how to do. Mm -hmm. You might be able to pick it up quickly, but unless you ask how to pull it off, mm -hmm. you might never know. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, the practicas, I mean, that's such a valuable resource. I mean, they're not afterthoughts. It is. Like you, yeah, they're so, they're so great. A lot of them are free. A lot of them are, are low cost and it's just the yes. great way to, to move your dancing forward. And like I said, I started dancing as a college student. So like mm -hmm. poverty was like my forte. <laughs> so you don't, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you don't, you can't afford to go to all the $15 milongas, but you can, and you know, just mm -hmm. practice what you know. Yeah. But you, and in the practica, you can dance with somebody to practice just dancing with them. You can ask questions, you can make mistakes and they forgive you because it's a practica. Mm -hmm. And so they assume everything you're doing is wrong in the first place, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a great place, a great starting place because yeah. it's low expectation. Yeah. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I met you a few weeks ago, Martin, at the Windy City Tango Festival. Uh, again, you put on a very, yeah. very wonderful performance that was a crowd pleaser. So, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> so, what was your very first <laughs> tango performance like? Do you remember? Oh my God. Um, I, I don't remember. You don't like, remember. So the funny, <laughs> yeah, the funny thing about me is that I I have severe stage fright. Okay. You you wouldn't know it mm. unless I no, told I don't. you. I'm surprised. I hide it very well. Mm -hmm. So I actually tend to almost black out doing these things <laughs> <laughs> and have no recollection of them until mm -hmm. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Unless there's something happening that allows me to focus on that, I focus on very little things, either I'm focusing on, okay, my partner's balance. I pick one thing mm -hmm. and I focus on my partner's balance the whole time mm -hmm. so that I cannot, you know, acknowledge the crowd of people staring at me. I cannot acknowledge the silence of the room. I cannot acknowledge the lights on me, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. But I think one of my first performances was probably like at the end of a class mm -hmm. with, I think with Masha. Okay. We probably did a class and then, you know, you do little demos. Mm -hmm for you know based on but it, those are a lot easier because they're not you already have the topic you're going to dance yeah from mm -hmm. you know rather than you're pulling from your entire spectrum of dance to impress people mm -hmm. you're you know you taught a class on ochos so you you do ochos and you do ochos and all the different ways you can think of ochos mm -hmm. right at least that's how i do demos yeah. is that whatever i teach in the class i base my demos on all the different variations even mm -hmm. if i didn't teach them just to allow people to see, hey, I taught you something, but mm -hmm. it applies for all the different variations as well. 
mm-hmm. and you're free to come up with whatever you want to come up with. That's the beauty of tango. Mm-hmm. So I can't honestly remember which was my standout first performance. Mm-hmm. I know with Masha, I've done quite a few performances, even though there's none of them ever recorded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we've done, people invite us to do performances of weddings. I don't know very much, many people there, there, and I understand a lot of times that they're, they're not a tango mm-hmm. crowd. Yeah. So a lot of what we do is more showy. Okay. So with Ellie, mm-hmm. I did a tango performance in Philly, mm-hmm. which was also a, a relatively newer crowd. So I think the festival actually was my first big performance where there were varying levels of people in the class. I mean, in the crowd, like there were teachers and there were other performers and there were people who I look up to and people who look up to me and people who I have never danced with, but I would love to. And people who I'm like, Oh goodness, let me not terrify them by looking like I'm doing too much, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's that, that to me was very terrifying to mm-hmm. be honest. And I, I hope it looked decent enough. Um, mm-hmm. Some people said it looked good. And so I'm hoping it's true and it's not just courtesy, mm-hmm. but I was, terrified through that whole performance because <laughs> <laughs> it was asked you know very soon to the performance i think probably within a week of the performance we were asked to do it and i literally picked the music with my partner right before it was played we didn't even have a device to play it from so <laughs> um the organizer it was the organizer's song we had heard the night before okay and we we're like oh do you remember that song you played during this um they did a little fashion show and they played a song during the fashion show mm-hmm. i'm like oh could you could you play that one for us oh awesome. and you know rod was wonderful and he, he played it for us and mm-hmm. that's where we danced it nice so then i was able to just focus on the fact that it was a new song mm-hmm. and so all i'm doing is listening to what the song is doing and trying to interpret it okay right Very and nice. that way i couldn't i didn't have to worry about the spectrum of people watching the lights yeah. the mm-hmm. you know the stage that i was on mm-hmm. All right, so Martin, how do you keep challenging yourself? Ooh, that's a good question. I think whenever I think of that question, that the easiest way to solve that is through Dima's little tidbit. Mm-hmm. Stick a restriction in there, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one. Mm-hmm. The second is this I learned from Chicho. I took a Chicho class mm-hmm. many years ago, and he literally he started a class by showing us the eight count basic mm-hmm. and everybody was very confused because this was supposed to be an advanced class mm-hmm. and he showed the eight count basic mm-hmm. then he showed the eight count basic going the eight count basic goes left it goes back left forward and right and back mm-hmm. then he reflected the eight count basic to go back right mm-hmm. forward left and back mm. and then by the end of the class, we were able to do the eight count basic where the leader did the powers role, leading the whole time. Nice. Going to the dark side, going to. So, for any given movement, one of the things I try to do is just that same principle. Mm-hmm. Add a restriction. If you add a restriction, it helps you see what other things you can do from that position mm-hmm. or reflect it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can reflect it to do from the left side to the right side or reflect it from the leader side to the follower side, you know, mm. and switch 
without switching roles, but switch the sequence. Mm -hmm. See if you can lead the follower to move the leader step while you do what the follower would have done if you led her to do it. Mm -hmm. So those kind of restrictions, yes, they're sometimes they're harder, (laughs) they're easier said than done. Right. But I think they they expand and they might not always work, but they might Mm -hmm. give you insight to something else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, where would you go practice them? At a practice. <laughs> At the practica. Get yourself to a yeah. practica, people. You come yeah. up with these things, you tell your partner, hey, mm-hmm. I know you know how to do the uh, the cross, mm-hmm. right? But let's try to do the cross on the dark side. Let's try to do the cross mm-hmm. backwards, forward, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Do it continuously. Do it once. Do it three times. Mm-hmm. These kind of, these are the little ways I challenge myself. Mm-hmm. Um, as a dancer, I mean, that's, because I don't really have a partner mm-hmm. in tango, it's that's the way I usually would challenge myself. But as a, as a, as no, acknowledging the fact that I do lead another person, mm-hmm. another thing I do to challenge myself is to dance with people of different calibers. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say that it's very different. One of the things I found very surprising, I never really realized, but it's very different to lead a guy than to lead a girl. Yeah. Yeah. And no matter how little the guy is, mm-hmm. They somehow always seem broader than any girl you would dance with. Right. And they don't, and they don't stop very easily either. Right. And exactly. And their momentum is different. Mm-hmm. And that applies. So one, changing the gender you, you dance with. Yeah. Um, changing the, you know, dancing with a new student, mm-hmm. you know, and making her not make a mistake is a challenge I give myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because occasionally I, I realize I've gotten in habits. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always doing a backsicata after this baleo followed mm-hmm. by that gancho, you know? Yeah. And it looks great, but then I'm like, well, not everybody can do that. So if I dance with a new dancer, mm-hmm. what are they able to do? What can I convince them to trust that this is a real thing? Mm-hmm. How much movement can I encourage them to be willing to take, even though they haven't done it before, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. without making them scared without making them feel like oh this is weird or you know for me dancing with new dancers is a great way to practice your listening Mm -hmm. skills yes you lead something and you can feel your partner not wanting to go there because she's scared and she's Mm -hmm. tense and she's not ready for it Mm -hmm. and then the other thing is it also works on your creativity what Mm -hmm. else can you do in that moment to relieve that stress from your partner's body, to mm-hmm. make her feel like, oh no, this is actually what we're doing, even if that's not your original intention, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these kind of things are the ways I play with challenging yourself. You know, okay. some musicians would t- have told me also to listen to how, like, dance a song. Mm-hmm. Listen to how you listen to the song when you dance. Now, dance the song with a different rhythm mm-hmm. if the song is a fast song try to dance slowly yes if the song is a slow song see if you can dance fast mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. these kind of things you know they, they insert another level of playfulness mm-hmm. don't be afraid to make mistakes be careful of course mm-hmm. don't do dangerous things but right play with different aspects of the music you know try to see if you can dance only to the musician's voice mm-hmm. yeah ignoring all the other instruments mm-hmm. you know Ignore the the singer's voice and dance to the background piano or the background bandaleon or mm-hmm. the violin, whatever yeah. instrument. 
-hmm. Some people can hear more instruments than I can. Mm -hmm. If you hear a flute, flute, Mm -hmm. the background, then you can dance that, Mm -hmm. right? That that's challenging in itself, and so it will help you, you good leaders, (laughs) from boring yourself. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I think that's another way to challenge yourself. Yeah. But of course, there's more, lots of options out there too. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, you've given us a lot to work with. I think a lot of the uh, the beginners listening, because I think most of our mm-hmm. listeners are uh, beginners who are very enthusiastic. And I think that's going to be really good. Okay, good that's good. To, good for them. Then to the know. last thing I'll add to that then is don't lose enthusiasm. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up, right. All right, Martin, this has been a lot of fun. So where do we find out more about you online? You know, I am not online in Tango mm-hmm. very much because I am trying to curb my Tango addiction. <laughs> so <laughs> I am not online. Um, okay. Anything of me online is very relative to my life as a medical student and mm-hmm. trying to keep my myself afloat. So... <laughs> Where can you find me? If you find me at a festival, come up and talk to me. If there's anything you need to know, yep. feel free to reach out to me and or to Tango Mercurio, and they'll be happy to connect you with me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Martin, for, for taking the time to talk to me. I know you're busy. You're, you're in med school, is it? I am. I am. Goodness. I'm a medical wow. student at Michigan State University, yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you're all, so I'm in Wisconsin. So we're both in the, both in the big 10 here. So yeah, <laughs> nice. absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Well, Hey, you know, tango can be a, a form of healing. So it's, I think it's very appropriate that you're, that you're in, in the medical profession. So absolutely. And it, it, it helps me maintain my sanity in the medical school at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, mm-hmm. I have dreams of becoming a physician that helps mm-hmm. other dancers growing yeah. and, Great. It's, it's enlightening and it's hap- it's it's a happy place. Good, good. Well, what are you specializing in? I'm not quite sure yet. Okay. And um, okay. I have a year to make that decision, so I'm taking my time. All right. Okay. Right. Yeah. As with tango, you know, I never knew what part I was going to like, what my skills, my That's style right. was going to be. That's right. But I'm just going to take my time, and mm-hmm. hopefully, it comes to me as I go. I'm sure it will. All right. Well, Martin, thanks again so much. I know you're super busy with uh, med school and with uh, life. And uh, yeah, it really means a lot that you took some time to speak to me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. I, this was a wonderful opportunity. It's always nice to share this. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something I love and I, I love to hear that people are interested and people want to keep doing this. And so yeah. it's a very wonderful privilege of giving me to share this information <laughs> from my perspective. And yeah. I hope there are a lot more people. Like I said, just like mm-hmm. anybody can come up and ask me, mm-hmm. this is an opportunity. Like I love sharing, and so I'm never going to say no. So yes. thank you for the opportunity, and I hope you get more people to do this. Yeah, thank you, Martin, and hope to run into you again in person sometime soon. Absolutely. All right, take care. You have a good day, man. All right, see you on the dance floor. Yeah. Okay, that was fun. Wow, Martin covered a lot of ground. I really like what he said about the conversational aspect of tango. If you're a leader, you're not supposed to take total control. You need to listen to the followers, give them space to interpret your movements or to add creative elements. But at the same time, don't stop. You got to keep the energy going and embrace the back and forth communication in the dance. I also liked how Martin points out that restrictions are great opportunities to become a better dancer. For instance, if it's crowded at a milonga and you don't have a lot of space to move, don't complain. See what you can come up with while in a limited space. What can you do within the embrace? 
If you're a leader, what can you do if you keep yourself from taking back steps, for instance? These limitations break us out of our patterns and ultimately help improve our tango. Martin also talked at length about making the best use of practicas. I really liked how he encourages us to be proactive learners, regardless of our level. Yes, watching and admiring other dancers is great, important even, but we've got to do more than that. If we see something that another couple is doing and think it's really interesting, don't be afraid to approach them and ask about it. Don't just wait until your next lesson. We're in a tango community, and most dancers will be receptive to your questions and will be happy to help. And if you don't understand something, again, ask questions. Ask detailed questions until you get it. And again, make use of those practicas. So thank you again, Martin, for your time, for telling us your tango story, and for sharing your insights. Good stuff. And of course, thanks to all you listeners out there for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, as always, please take a quick moment to subscribe and please leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. That helps out a lot. To help keep the podcast going, I'm also accepting donations through PayPal. There's a link in the description and also one on the podcast website. Thanks for your support. If you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason, Feel free to send an email to wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon. 